0: This weekend, we're continuing our series, the uh, promises of God that we can cling to. It's called, I Promise, the promises of God that we can cling to. And what better time than right now, during this pandemic, during this time when things are not going well, during this time when everything is uncertain, to hold on to the promises of God. And our promise today, our promise today comes from um, Revelation, the book of Revelation twenty twenty-one. 21. And in fact, here's the promise and give you the clip notes version. There'd be no more pain and no, no more tears in heaven. No more pain and no more tears. You can say amen to that, and you can write, no more pain, no more tears. I think we can say it forever: no more pain, no more tears. And in fact, in four weeks or so, we're gonna start a new series on end times and the book of Revelation. And if you have questions about the book of Revelation, where you're like, I've always wondered about this. Go ahead and send us an email at kcc.comicaychristian.org. At let us know um, some questions you have. We'll try to address some of those questions in the series. But 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 let us know because we want to look at the book of Revelation and look at what it says about end times. And I want to bring some kind of keen insight and hopefully some fresh insight that maybe uh, you haven't considered before. Because uh, the book of Revelation is actually a very encouraging, inspiring, uplifting book when we get down to it. So let's look at the promise, though, that's before us in Revelation 21, starting with verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down. These words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, adulterers, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Wow. Wow. What do we mean by a new earth and a new heaven? A new heaven and a, and a new earth. Chapter 21 is this huge turn because prior to this, you see lots of words of judgment, lots of things coming down. And we're like, "Whoa, what's going on here? But all of a sudden in, in chapter 21, we see hope. We see restoration. We see a new heaven and a new kingdom. So what does a new heaven Imply. What does a new heaven and a, and a new earth imply? For one thing, it implies that there is an old heaven and an old earth. In fact, the idea from the prophets was that there would always be this new heaven. In fact, Isaiah says this in Isaiah 65. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever and that I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. The Bible teaches us. That there will be a new heaven and a new earth. That that earth here will be remade, restored. That's the new earth. And, and, and it'll be a renewed present heaven and earth. Because what happened was when sin entered the world, it changed everything. Everything that changed, everything changed because Adam and Eve, representative of humanity, took from the fruit. And, and disobeyed God. And at that moment in Genesis 3, everything changed. Second Peter chapter 3, we read this. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. In the comment section, write this, write holy and godly lives. Holy and godly lives. As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Heaven's not going to be this entirely different dimension, entirely different universe, but a renewed and, and, and remade earth. John's vision in Revelation 21 is a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. And it's heaven coming to earth. But before heaven comes to earth, before heaven comes to earth, what is our responsibility as a follower of Jesus? Well, we need to bring heaven to earth now. In fact, our job as followers of believers is to live as if we're preparing for all eternity. So if we were to bring heaven to earth now, what would that look like? Well, we bring heaven to earth now by loving others. And for the most part, everyone watching, whatever um, uh, city you're watching from, whatever state you're watching from, whatever country you're watching from, wherever, you go, yeah, of course we should love others. But here's where it gets to the nitty gritty, especially in the United States. Right now, we're living in probably one of the most polarized times in a long time, if ever. And right now, when you bring up the topic of, let's just, let me just think of something, politics. What usually happens? You talk to someone you disagree with and it usually turns into an argument. Whether they're on this side or this side or this side or this side, everyone wants to be right. But when we're talking to someone about such polarizing, topics. How do we show the love of God? How do we bring heaven to earth in those conversations? How do we allow our conversations to to reflect the love that we have for, for God? Because the, the reality is all of us want to be right. All of us think that we are right on every single topic. I mean, if we're being honest, for the most part, we all generally think we're right. However, if we're bringing heaven to earth, maybe one thing we could do is season our conversation with salt. What that means is, it comes from the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, that when we're having these conversations, that we seek first to understand. We seek first to understand where they're coming from. Seek first to understand their point of view. And we do so in love. And... If we want to bring heaven to earth and we're talking to people that maybe have a different worldview than us, a different background than than us, perhaps the best thing we could do to bring heaven to earth is to get to know them, have dinner with them, maybe virtually have dinner with them, but you get the gist of it. What can we do to build relationships with those who are not like us? To those who maybe don't believe what we believe. Maybe those who are agnostic or atheist or something else. What can we do? And maybe what we do, again, is seek first to understand. We ask more questions so we understand. We don't come with this posture of, "aha, I got you, I won, and you lost. No, but we come with this posture of, Let's have a fruitful conversation, a conversation that is uplifting, a conversation that where we both learn. So how else do we bring heaven to earth? We we, we bring heaven to earth when we know that there's a person who's lonely and we call them. And so if you think of somebody, call them right after the service or write them a letter. And let them know you're thinking about them. Or get them on a Zoom call. Or FaceTime them. And just let them know you're thinking about them. It's a great way to bring heaven to earth. We're preparing for eternity. So what better way to start than right now? We want to bring heaven to earth. It's the final part of the Lord's prayer. That thy will be done. How do you finish it? You can write in the comment section. On earth as it is in heaven. Sometimes people ask, well, what happens to those people who 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 die before Jesus returns? Where, you know, where are they? And the Apostle Paul talks a lot about this in 1 Thessalonians 4 and Philippians uh, 1, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4. I think I already mentioned that one. And um, as was 2 Corinthians 5, Philippians 1. You know, it's mentioned a lot, but the the general idea is this is that when we die before the lord comes back the second time that is called this intermediate state the intermediate state is this period where we're with god we're with god but but we're in his presence but we we are in a non complete form meaning um, we're we're in the unresurrected form we don't we don't have our new spiritual bodies, so to speak, as the Apostle Paul talks about. But when Jesus comes, they will be reunited with a resurrected body. And those who are alive at the moment of Jesus' return, when Jesus comes back, are instantly transformed. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 to 53 talks about that. First Thessalonians 4, verse 17 talks about that. So just kind of interesting that there is this intermediate state that we will be with the Lord. But when he comes back, that's when we will have this resurrected body. So what will heaven be like? I mean, we know a little bit about heaven, but there's a lot of heaven um, that, that we don't know about. Part of the reason we don't know about is because when we read the book of Revelation, we learn about heaven. It uses imagery like streets of gold, pearly gates, um basketball courts and just kidding, it doesn't have basketball courts in there. I mean it should, but I don't know, we'll see. But but it talks about these, these things, and we're like, what exactly is it? But but the main reason we don't know too terribly much about heaven is because no one has been there and has come back. The apostle Paul writes in First Corinthians 2 9. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, these things God has prepared for those who love him. It's this idea that we can't even conceive how wonderful and how beautiful heaven is, but we are going to be able to be in the presence of God. And so here's our promise, and this is something you could write down, you could you could type it in, but something that you want to really focus on, this is our promise that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. No more mourning, no more death. The old order of things has passed away. No more tears. Wow. Amen to that in the comment section, you can write amen, amen, amen. Keep writing amen. Keep hitting that heart button there. You know, get those hearts up to the Lord. Amen. Tears here represents all human sorrow, tragedy, and evil. And it's not just death, mourning, and crying, and pain that will be no more. But here's the other part that's going to be no more. You ready for this? You ready? In the comment section, say, Oh, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Because there's going to be more. There's, there's a bigger promise here to more than just no more crying and no more uh, uh, pain. There's more to it. Here it comes. The rest of Revelation 21 and 22 tell us that there will be no more sin, no more darkness and night, no more impurity, no more shame or deceit, no more international strife, and no more curse. Relating back to Genesis 3, there'll be no more of that. That is the promise that we have in scripture. Understand now that life that we live is temporary. The pain is temporary. It is real though. I'm not trying to take away that from anybody. The pain is real and it's legitimate. And your struggles and your strife is real and it's legitimate. We're not trying to take that away. But pain and all these things are a reminder that life is temporary. Pain is a reminder that we have a greater hope ahead of us. And pain is a reminder that this pain that we're in is never what God intended. Now, there's no longer a lot of these things, but but what is there, who is there, is even more important. There's going to be no more pain, no more strife no more turmoil no more tears no more sin no more darkness but however here's one thing we could that's even just tops everything revelation 21:3. 3 three times you're going to hear who is in heaven and i heard a loud voice from the throne saying look God's dwelling place is among the people and God will dwell with them. They will be God's people. The most important thing about heaven is that God is there. Right there in the comment section, God will be in heaven or God will be with us. The most important thing about heaven or what makes heaven heaven is that God is there. That's the promise that us as believers have. Leon Morris, New Testament scholar, says it this way. After the New Jerusalem descends, there appears to be no difference between heaven and Earth and Ezekiel 48, we read that, and the name of the city from the time from that time on will be the Lord is there. Write that in the comment section. The Lord is there. The Lord is there. The reality is that no one has looked forward to final heaven more than God Himself. No one has looked forward more to final heaven than God himself. The creator of the universe is so looking forward to final heaven, whose love has spared no sacrifices to make it possible. Do we see the love that God has for us in this? That he wants to live with us forever. He wants to live with you forever. He loves you. No matter what your sins have done, no matter where your journey has taken you, the Lord is saying, I have prepared a place for you. I want you I want to be with you forever. You are my creation. I am your creator. And, and maybe today is a day that you come back to the Lord. Maybe today is a day that you say, I need to talk to someone about Jesus because I got questions or, or I got to get my life right. And, and, and the comments section, you can write things there. Uh, in the prayer section, you can click on prayer and, and one of the pastoral staffs will pray with you. We'd love to talk to you about things. But this is the hope that we have as followers of Jesus that he has prepared a place for us and he wants to spend eternity with you and I. So how should we respond? Well, I think we should respond with a heart of gratitude. I think we should respond with the heart that says, I want to live my life sold out 100% for God. I want to live my life with humility and love. And I want to live my life in such a way that it reflects the life of Jesus. Where people want to know more about what I believe because how I treat others. Where people want to know more about my faith because of how I act. I think that's the appropriate response to take. And then in 2 Peter 3, here's what we have in 2 Peter 3. That there will be a new heaven and a new earth. It challenges in verses 11 and 12. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God. How should we respond? Being humble, living the life of Jesus, and then we read here in 2 Peter, to live holy and godly lives. Holy means to be set apart, set apart from uh, sinful ways, godly lives, doing things that please God. Lest you and I choose today to live for God. You and I to choose today to live for the creator of the universe. Let's you and I choose today to say, Jesus, you're my Lord and my Savior. And if you've made that decision, maybe for the first time, or maybe you're coming back to the Lord, let us know that. Let us know that. Put it in the comment section. Click on the, on the tab there. Let us know that you're coming back to know the Lord or, or you want to know the Lord for the first time. We would love to connect with you and love to get to know you. The Bible is absolutely clear. We can't buy our way into heaven. We can't earn our way into heaven. It is a gift from God because of what Jesus has done for us because he died and rose again. You and I have eternal life. And he has prepared a place for us. And so let's respond to this message with love, with dignity, with honesty, and by living it out. And when we do that, we're bringing heaven to earth.